0: You are listening to The Gospel for Geeks. I'm Father Roderick, and this is a recording of my Sunday homily. You can find more information about the Bible readings in the show notes. In the Fellowship of the Ring, the hobbits are on the run. After Frodo has finally left the Shire and is followed by Sam and the two other hobbits, they are constantly being chased by these dark riders, and they at that moment really don't have a clue what that's about. They only know that they need to be safe from this constant menace, this constant threat. The weather goes bad, it starts raining, uh, it, it's dark. Everybody is inside where it's safe. They can warm themselves uh, at the fireplace. They can eat some soup to, to feel cozy and warm, but not these hobbits. Since they left the Shire, things seems to, seem to go downhill and the only thing they need is temporary safety. And so after being chased through the woods by these, these, these ringwraiths, uh, at, the, at that time they weren't even aware of the identity of these, of these dark riders, they arrive at a huge gate. And it's part of, a, of an enclosure around a city called Brie. It's much, much bigger than than the Shire, and it is closed. The huge wooden gate is locked. But then the hobbits knock on this tiny little door that is built inside the great doors of the gate. Those big doors are usually open during daytime for horses, for knights for commerce, for, you know, people bringing in their goods or exporting them. The pipeweed, of course, needs to be sold and, and exported to, uh, to all these hobbit villages in the neighborhood. And so, obviously, during the day, those gates are wide open, those doors. But during the night, you never know who is lurking around. There may be goblins, there may be robbers, there are all sorts of dangerous groups that are roaming the area and if you just leave the door open then of course they will come inside the town and while it's night and people are asleep they will start to pillage the town and that's why there is this big wall around brie and in those wall you've got these big wooden oak oak wood doors that are firmly closed during the night to protect the people inside but the hobbits are not inside They're outside, in the rain, feeling miserable, feeling afraid, constantly looking behind them to see if there's any trace of these dark riders. And so they knock on the door, and if you watch the Peter Jackson movie of The Fellowship of the Ring, you'll see this this gatekeeper who uh, first opens uh, a little window inside the smaller door, inside the big door. So it goes from big to very, very small, and he looks around and he sees nothing, and then so he closes the little window, and then he opens a, a window that's a bit lower at the eye le- level of um, uh, of the hobbits, and then he's like, oh, four hobbits! You want to come inside?" Uh, and and um, Frodo, of course, says, "Yeah, yeah, we we need to be inside. We need a place to to be safe. And uh, what we do here, that's none of your business." And um, and and so the gatekeeper opens the door, this small door inside the big door, and they are able to reach the Prancing Pony, where they are relatively safe for the rest of the night. That is where they meet Strider, Aragorn in disguise, who will be their protection for uh, for the weeks and months to come. But right there, that small door that opens, that allows these tiny hobbits to step inside uh, uh, these fortified walls of Bree, that must have been an incredible moment for these hobbits where even though they're surrounded by, by people, by humans that are so big, um, and uh, it's still also raining on the inside, it is a place where they can find shelter. And at least those big doors that are closed will keep the riders, those, those the ring wraiths outside, because there's no way that a you know dark, whatever creature it is on a horse can go through that tiny door because it's way too small. Plus, they won't open. This is exactly the story that reminds me of uh, the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem. And he uh, encounters a lot of people along the way. Sometimes it's big crowds, sometimes it's individual people. And you have to keep in mind that the Gospel of Luke was written specifically for an audience that was not, or at least the majority of it, was not originally Jewish. Um, this was for the, 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 these new churches that were uh, emerging all over the place where you would have both traditional people from Jewish backgrounds, but also people from a pagan background, people from outside the country, different cultures, different backgrounds. And that is why in in this story that Luke writes writes down, there is at the beginning this this question that, that, that is asked. We don't know who asks this to Jesus. It's just someone. But Jesus addresses or answers that question addressing himself to whoever is listening. It's very interesting. So the question is, are there many that will be saved? And this, of course, was one of the questions of these new Christians, these new followers of of Jesus. You know, we are now part of this movement of people that follow Jesus. But, well, we we actually don't know what it takes to be saved. And, well, these apostles, they, they talk to us about being saved. Jesus talks about being saved. But is that hard? is that do 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 i need special membership do i need to pay money every week <laughs> you know what are the requirements and if it's very hard you know can i be part of those who are saved do i belong here that that's a very fundamental question maybe also inspired partially by sometimes hostility between let's say the newcomers the noobs in christianity and and the, the old guard, let's say, the, the people that were very familiar with Scripture, that have, had been raised in a Jewish context, and that sometimes looked uh, to these newcomers as, well, you know what? Uh, if you first need to abide by the rules, and you need to get to know our traditions. And Jesus has always been very clear. Whenever he's confronted with this kind of exclusive mentality, where one group kind of considers themselves to be better than others, you know, could be Pharisees or scribes or whatever, uh, or or Jewish versus the Samaritans. He's always, no, yes, of course I've come to to the children of my father, to to the people of God, but my mission is broader. And later on he will tell his apostles, I want you to go to the ends of the world and, and baptize everyone in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is already... During his lifetime, expanding the reach of his message, way beyond the original people that was called to follow the Lord. And this is also why Jesus turns that question around. It's, it's, if you ask, am I going to be among the saved? Uh, are there many? What are my chances? Jesus turns it around and says, you know what is required to be saved? You, it's your effort. So do your best. Don't, don't calculate. That's sometimes what we do, you know, like, oh, well, if I have the, 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 the right circle of friends, if I build my, um, uh, my LinkedIn page and, and I have the right jobs, then I will put everything in place for, for a great career. And you know, that's often how it works in the real world. That's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. What matters there is not your connections, it's not your membership, it's not how much money you have, if you have the right background, the right connections. The only thing that matters in the eyes of Jesus is, where is your heart? Is it really trying to follow me? Are you ready to pay the price, taking up your cross by following me, leaving behind what was so important to you the other day? But now that you're following me, it's just extra luggage. It's holding you back. Are you ready to give your heart to me and to push yourself to do what I do, to follow me where I go? And remember at the beginning, Luke stipulates that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. That's not the place of victory. Well, ultimately it will be, but for, before that victory of the resurrection, it will be the place of suffering. Are you ready? to invest in that journey are you ready to give yourself completely even if it may cost you your life that is the warning that Jesus gives to the people that want to follow him so both at the same time there's this opening there's this you know everybody can follow me I am not gatekeeping here but you have to follow me. I'm not going to pull you. <laughs> I'm not going to put you on my horse. I'm not Gandalf who sits you next to me on his, on his carriage and then let's th- let the horses do. No, I'm on foot and you will have to walk after me. And the less you carry, the faster you'll walk, the easier it will be and that is why i think jesus uses this image of the small gate now this is literally referring to the same situation as the hobbits encounter in brie and and the the people that were listening to the gospel of luke were very familiar with that situation you had towns and cities and they were all fenced off protected against evildoers and so there would be gates and and you would have these big gates open during the day but At nightfall, these gates, these doors would close and only one small door would stay open, too small for horses, too small for armies or or, groups of robbers, just small enough so that one lone traveler, if he would kind of crouch down a little bit, could enter. So the city wasn't completely fenced off or completely closed, but it was only open for simple people who left their horse and whatever other, you know, weapons or <laughs> they would leave that behind and they would be ready to enter through that narrow gate, the small door. That is what Jesus is referring to. Now, so I have to keep in mind, what does he mean by that? He says himself, I am that door. He compares himself very often with, the, the, for, for instance, the door of of the of the stable of the the enclosure for the sheep, you have to pass through Jesus to enter into the world of God, and if Jesus is the door, if he is the way, then it means that if that door is small and narrow, you have to become small as well. Jesus himself uses that same analogy between you know the, the, what is big in the eyes of the world and, and, and what is truly great in the eyes of God. What is, what is great is, is the one who makes himself small. And Jesus makes himself small. That is how he walks the path to Jerusalem. He becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. The big crowds from, from the beginning will all leave him. And ultimately, when he's on the cross, there are only a few people left at his side. And so Jesus himself is... Letting go of everything he had, even his clothes are being being, uh, gambled for. And he is on the cross completely naked. He has lost everything. And that is what he asks us, his followers, to do as well. Leave behind your horse, your money, your your securities, your connections. Be ready to give up everything to be saved. And the, the, the biggest enemy of, uh, of, of Jesus' fellowship is complacency. If you think, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm comfortable. Yeah, I like Jesus. I, I, I invited him for dinner the other day. He was a great guy. You know, he, he, you know what he did? He turned my water into wine. Awesome, dude. <laughs> but then when Jesus says, come and follow me to Jerusalem, really? No, 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 no. I can't do that. No, that's too much. You know, when Jesus is like, let me go help these sick people. And you're standing there like, yeah, you, you go do that. You go do that. I kind of, they're kind of smelly. They're kind of, maybe they're, the, the, the disease is infectious. No, no. That means that you are outside the door and you may knock later on and say, hey, hey, Jesus, remember that time that you changed that water into wine in my, at my place? Can I come in? And then it's like, but you haven't been following me. <laughs> it's too late now. So it's it's this effort. And, and that brings me back to the story of, of the Hobbit. What I love so much, or the Lord of the Rings, what I like so much about that story, is that um, there could have been many solutions to the distress of the Hobbits. Gandalf was a wizard you know, why couldn't he just stick around and solve everything? Why couldn't they just call the eagles and fly them to to Mordor and just destroy the ring by just throwing it into the abyss? No, that's not the story that Tolkien is telling us. The hobbits themselves have to do everything they can to reach their goal. It's this this very, you know, gospel-like persistence that is required of anyone who is part of the fellowship and not everyone is is willing to pay that price there are some that will not but these little small insignificant but so brave hobbits they are willing to go to the extreme to get through that narrow door and even when they are in Brie and they're sitting in the prancing pony, and they have some warmth, and there is music, and and there is beer, and maybe some pipeweed, even then they don't become complacent, because you never know what happens during the night, and that is when these these ringwraiths are are still able to somehow get into Brie. And they are standing there besides these hobbit bets with their their swords raised. And then they plunge those swords in what we think are the hobbits. They're in the other room. They were wide awake. They were vigilant because they don't want to become the prey of evil. That is the mentality that is required of us. That's the effort we have to put in this. Jesus is not a wizard. He's he's not like Gandalf, constantly preventing anything from happening to us, doing all the work for us. No, Jesus himself is very clear. You want to follow me? Take up your cross and follow me. Yes, if it's too heavy for you, place your burden on me. But leave everything behind. Don't try to count on yourself or on, on your possessions. Count on me and I will guide you a little bit like Strider, Aragorn, does with the Fellowship. Yes, he protects them at times, but still it's Frodo, it's Sam, they go up the mountain, not Aragorn. He fights another battle in another place. So this is super important when it comes to our own walk of faith, our own walk of life. You have to put in the effort. Every morning, again, there's nothing automatic about it, but with the effort you put in also comes the reward. And if sometimes you fail and you feel you don't have the strength and you are weak and you're afraid and you are cold and you feel surrounded by whatever is menacing you, knock on the door, knock on the door until this gatekeeper opens the door and perhaps the lower one and says, you want to come in? Yes, yes, yes. And he will open that that tiny door for you as long as you don't arrive too late, the door is always open. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel for Geeks. You can join me live for Mass every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central European Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Follow me on social media at Father Roderick for a link to the live stream. If you want to contribute to this ministry, go to freroderick.com donate.